Okay. A little bit later in the episode, I'm going to tell you more about the hormone fixer because I know you're dying to know. This little bad boy supplement that I created, if I do say so myself, is amazing at so many things, so many benefits. So it raises your natural testosterone, ladies, that GSD hormone. It helps with weight loss. It helps improve insulin sensitivity. It helps with anti-aging. It increases your own growth hormone, the anti-aging hormone that helps with the wrinkles and the stamina, energy, focus, brain. It also helps with your mood and lowers your response to stress. So you're just going to have to wait a little bit more and we'll tell you more about it. The Hormone Fixer. Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound... Like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. Dr. Gupta, thank you so much for joining us today. I love having thyroid specialist on because we can put our brains together and really dive in and talk all things thyroid. So I absolutely love it. Now for my listeners who don't know you, I want to hear your story because we all, all of us in this thyroid space have a story that brought us here. So I want to hear your story. What brought you into dealing with thyroid and Hashimoto patients? So thank you for so much for having me on the show. It's a pleasure. You are doing great work, you know, of sharing hope with each and every thyroid patient. So it's a pleasure over here uh, sharing some of the insights. So my story actually starts off, you know, after doing my family medicine residency, I was working in a very busy uh, private clinic. And then just in a few years into my practice, I started having a lot of issues, started off with the gut problems. I was having this horrible, horrible stomach pain and it would be random hitting me directly when I was working in the clinic will last for hours and then will suddenly go away. You know, I was not able to pinpoint what was exactly causing it. I thought it was acid reflux, taking medications, but still not getting better. The pain was so severe at sometimes that I even thought about going to the emergency room. But I knew emergency room doctors could not do it. They might just give me some, you know, cocktail of medicines and then they might just send it back. So after suffering with that for several months, I started having fatigue issues. I was so tired that I had to take a nap during day just to function in the clinic. I was brain fogged by the end of the day, just I could not function anymore. I was gaining weight like crazy without even changing my diet. So I was having all those issues and I could not pinpoint or could not improve my own health. So that's why I thought, well, I'm not a smart doctor. Let me take help for all these different specialists. 
I went, you know, to all these different specialists, did all different kinds of testing, blood work, ultrasounds, endoscopy, you know, food, allergy testing, everything, everything was negative. Nobody had any idea what was going on. They added more medications. I was taking six medications at one point of time and nobody had an idea why I was taking these medicines. I was still not feeling better. I was feeling hope, hopeless and miserable at the time. That's the time when somebody introduced me to functional medicine. I got certified into functional medicine. You know, I looked at my root cause. I found my root cause and I started implementing a plan. Within a few months, you know, my pain was completely gone. Within six months, I was off all medications. I lost 40 pounds. Mm -hmm. My energy levels were so high that even I took place into a 5K rugged maniac. And I was not an athletic person in my whole life. For me to do that was a big change. Big deal. Mm -hmm. That completely changed, transformed my life. Then after that, actually, I was working at the Cleveland Clinic, you know, alongside Dr. Mark Hyman. And what I saw was that I was seeing all these thyroid and Hashimoto's patients and each and every one had similar issues like mine. They were all gaining weight. They were all brain fog. They were all tired. And the bigger part was that they were all taking the medicine that the physician was telling them to do and still not feeling better. So I was able to immediately connect with them. And I was like, I need to do something for these folks to get them better. So I started researching into Hashimoto's disease, and that's where I found a protocol that implemented for a lot of folks and they got better. So that's where my journey from my issue started and landed up to Hashimoto's patients. Wow. I always think it's so powerful when someone has walked in another person's shoes. So as you're helping your patients that are suffering, they're in the beginning stages, just like you were with Hashimoto's, you're able to pull in your own experience and literally say, listen, I get it. I was on the Band-Aid medications before. And even as a doctor, I took them because that's what you do. And that standard of care for all of these symptoms that I had. But now you're in this space realizing that they were Band-Aids and no one was actually getting to the root cause of your own problem. I just think that that's so amazing because it makes you as you know, such a better practitioner toward people that are coming to you for help. So I just, I absolutely love it. So can you tell us why when we're talking about Hashimoto's and and we know, I, I talk about this all the time on this podcast about suffering with symptoms. What is your opinion? Cause I always like getting opinions of other thyroid specialists. What's your opinion on why people continue to suffer with these symptoms. Like you mentioned some, the weight gain, you can't lose weight, the brain fog, the poofiness, the stomach issues, a lot of GI issues. So what's, what's your opinion on that? Right. So um, just going back to Hashimoto's, you know, like the listeners might know about it, but Hashimoto's is an autoimmune condition where antibodies are destroying the thyroid gland, which ultimately leads to low thyroid. And that's where people get started on a thyroid hormone replacement. Now, the research tells us that more than 60% of patients, even though they are taking the thyroid medicine, they still continue to suffer from symptoms. So that prompted me to look deeper of why that is happening. So what I found was that there is an important structure in our each and every person's body called mitochondria. Now, mitochondria is a small organelle which is present in each and every cell of our human body, and that gives us it has a lot of functions, including, you know, including energy, including you know, heart health, brain health, all of those things. 
So the research actually now shows that in a lot of Hashimoto's patients, this mitochondria is not functioning properly. Now, there is a connection between thyroid and mitochondria that we have known for a very long amount of time. Now, thyroid and mitochondria connection could be compared to like a, like a gas pedal and an engine in a car, where the gas pedal is a thyroid gland and your engine is your mitochondria. So the more the gas pedal we push, the more the car should move forward if the engine is doing great. But what happens in Hashimoto's patients is that there is a disconnect in between this gas pedal and the engine. Now, by giving the thyroid hormone, we are pushing more gas pedal with the hope that the engine will work. But the, if the engine is broken, the car will not move forward. And that's what happens. So I call this as a mitothyroid connection. And this connection is broken in Hashimoto's patients. So by giving this a thyroid hormone, this connection doesn't get better. And that's the reason people continue to suffer from symptoms. So we have to work on the underlying problem of first finding out why this connection is broken. And then second of all, you know, fixing not only the thyroid, but also fixing the mitochondria and the connection at the same time. Absolutely. I completely agree because I have a... I don't have an issue with thyroid hormone replacement therapy, especially if they're in the later stages of Hashimoto's and they have to be on something to replace those hormones that are just no longer being properly made. But at the same time, we hear, you and I hear so often, but I'm just not getting better, but I'm still suffering with this symptom and that symptom. And why am I still tired? And why can't I lose weight? So I completely agree that we have to look deeper at the function of the mitochondria to see what exactly is going on. So what have you found in practice to be some of those causes that really, for lack of a better word, screw up the mitochondria and keep people in a state of, of having symptoms? So I figured out five major root causes, which leads to this destruction of mitochondria. So the very first root cause is food sensitivities. You know, there are several foods, you know, which are good for mitochondria, but there are several foods which actually start destroying the mitochondria. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, these food sensitivities are totally different from food allergies. That's what, what we're talking about. We talk about these food sensitivities, you know, where like major players are like gluten, dairy, soy, corn, you know, sugars, all of those are mitochondrial killers. So the food sensitivity is a bigger issue, which is the number one. The second that we deal with is what we call a stress, whether that is physical stress, mental stress, psychological stress, any kind of stress that a person goes through for a longer amount of time, mm -hmm. it negatively impacts the mitochondria and starts destroying it. The third thing is nutritional deficiencies. Now, mitochondria is a powerhouse of the cell. It cannot produce power if it doesn't have the right nutrients. It does require a lot of nutrients. A lot of times, again, we are Hashimoto's patients are deficient in those nutrients. So it doesn't let mitochondria to function properly. That's the third major root cause. The fourth one is toxins. Our environment today is laden with so many toxins, whether those are heavy metals like lead and mercury or arsenic or mold toxins or environmental toxins like pesticides and other things. The, the, the mitochondria is the most sensitive organelle in our body to the toxins. So all these toxins start destroying the mitochondria. And the fifth and the last root cause is infections. Several infections, whether the Epstein-Barr virus infection, several parasites in our gut, or any other viral infections can lead to the destruction of this mitochondria. So these are the five major root causes which I've identified lead to the destruction of mitochondria. 
I love this because it breaks it down so simply for people to understand. So I, I want to talk just a little bit on each of those five causes. So with food sensitivities, I'll give you my take. This isn't something that we talked about off, off camera at all. So I want to just hear your pure take on this. With food sensitivities, you had mentioned, you know, the corn, the wheat, the soy, those are the big ones that most people are, especially those with autoimmune, are very sensitive to, and they can have that reaction. They can have that autoimmune flare when, when they eat them. But when it comes to testing, I'm not a big fan of the food sensitivity testing because I see numbers all over the board. It could be that they just had eggs five days in a row and they test positive for eggs or that they use almond flour to cook because they're keto and they test positive for almonds. So what's your take on finding what the food sensitivities actually are in each individual? And that's a very good point that you brought up. I'm in the similar boat that we do not have a perfect test for checking for food sensitivities. And I tell that to each and every client that I work with, I said, yes, you would like to do a test, but let me tell you that the test is not perfect. So there are caviars involved in it. So that's where certain foods, which I know that, you know, they are like, you know, triggers for Hashimoto's, we remove those. Right. For the rest of the others, I use the testing as a tool, not as like, you know, a perfect thing for me. So let's say if I order a test and 10 things comes out, comes back as high levels. So I tell people to keep an eye on those 10 things, not that, okay, we'll remove those 10 things right now. What I tell them is that keep an eye and see what you feel like when you're eating those 10 things. Right. What is your body telling you? And if the body is telling you that, okay, you're reacting to those or they're not your friends, then yes, absolutely remove them one at a time. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes I say, okay, well, why don't we remove a couple of those and see how you do for a couple of weeks and so. And then if you feel better with that, okay, we have an answer. So that way, it's a more individualized approach that I follow. And it also depends on a person. Some people come to me that they're sensitive to everything. It is very difficult for us to get them better, especially people who are like mast cell disorder patients. You know, they're sensitive to each and everything. Mm -hmm. So for those, sometimes, yes, I go on a little bit more on the stricter diet by removing those, let's say, those 10 things so that if we can calm their body down. But for majority of the folks, first of all, I don't recommend testing to them. But if they want to, and if they really want that, I do the testing, but then I kind of follow that on an individualized basis. I'm so happy you said that. It's just so refreshing to hear another practitioner say that because at the same time, you could have someone, the food sensitivity testing could backfire on your patient because you could have it not come back positive for gluten or wheat. And then the person thinks, oh, I can eat it because it didn't show up on the test. And now they're messing themselves up, causing all kinds of autoimmune flares on the side because it didn't show up as a positive marker on that food sensitivity test. So I'm, I'm beyond thrilled that you, that you mentioned that. And then you talked about stress, especially nowadays, Dr. Gupta. Oh my goodness. People are just so stressed out over everything. I mean, we have the basic stress of life that we all have. And then we have the last couple of years piled on top of that. Are you seeing, are you measuring cortisol or are you just kind of looking at that overall picture of what people are dealing with or what they've dealt with in the past? So each and every person that works with me is going to go on a stress management protocol yeah. period. Yeah. You know, it doesn't yeah. matter like, because a lot of people, they come to see me and they say, oh, 
stress is not my problem i handle it really well and i was like well you are the probably the first person <laughs> who needs stress management yeah because the reality is that we all need it right you know you and me you know like have dealt with our own health issues mm-hmm. and stress was a very big trigger for me also so even till yet you know i have to do some stress management techniques because you know like in the modern world we have forgotten just to take a pause right we are always on the go yes. so those stress management techniques are basically the pause that you know we need in our life mm. so that's first thing that each and every person should do it whatever form they want to deep breathing meditation yoga you know relaxation whatever they want to do but something needs to be incorporated but yes the testing is the next piece in some people you know i do check their cortisol levels to kind of give me an idea of how bad their adrenals are mm-hmm. because some people their adrenals are completely burned out so i deal have to deal with in a different way and some people their cortisol levels are so high especially in the evenings that they are not able to sleep with it so then again we have to do certain different things for that so definitely testing is helpful but i think each and every person definitely needs some stress management in their life for sure I completely agree and we know that stress if someone has not been truly diagnosed with Hashimoto's stress is that one thing that can turn that light switch on it can flip the switch from on, off to on and when we're talking about stressors remember even pregnancy is a stressor hormonal changes in women that's a stressor low testosterone is a stressor so you have the stress the stresses of life and then you have the stresses internally so that i love how things connect together so that number 2 could actually also connect to number 5 and flip on an infection like epstein barr virus and turn that into an active state so everything is connected everything is so beautifully connected nutritional deficiencies what specifically are you looking for with the deficiencies So some of the basic ones which almost everybody knows about these days are like vitamin D, vitamin B12, we already know about that. Yep. Then the second thing for the thyroid specific zinc and selenium are important minerals that we are looking into. Difficult to check those levels but you know those are important things. The third the next one is magnesium. Mm-hmm. Very important mineral needed for both thyroid and mitochondria and the good part is that we do have testing available to check that level. Mm-hmm. So that's what we are looking at. Then comes the mitochondrial specific things like coenzyme Q10. You know, we know that that is very important for to function with the mitochondria. Then comes the B vitamins. You know, all the B vitamins again are so important not only B9 and B12 but the other ones are important to look at how the mitochondria is functioning. Yeah. then we're looking at antioxidants like vitamin c because that saves the mitochondria from destruction of you know different oxidative stress and a lot of people are deficient in vitamin c these days mm-hmm. so those are the major vitamins that we are looking at and the omegas yes so again omegas are very important for the functioning of generalized body and again safeguarding the mitochondria from destruction so looking at the omega 3 levels in a person to kind of know whether they are in good range or not So those are the things that we look for in in majority of the Hashimoto's patients. And what are your thoughts on iodine? I love asking thyroid specialists their thoughts because we're pretty much in the functional space split. Fifty percent say no, fifty percent say yes. So I like asking my guests, what are your thoughts on iodine? So I don't prescribe anybody supplements for iodine anymore because you know, like I again strongly feel that the research does suggest that too much and too little both are problems. and we are living in a world that you know too little is not often that we see 
The problem is that there is no perfect test to check for iodine. So we all have to go with our gut feeling. That's the yeah. only thing. So generally, I do recommend people, you know, just to have a very healthy diet and include some foods which are rich in iodine. So never go with supplementation, but I do recommend them foods like, you know, the sea vegetables and the seaweeds and things to include like, you know, off, off and on in their diet to get some iodine in, the, in their diet. But I don't recommend supplementation anymore. See, I'll still recommend supplementation, but just very minimal. Like you said, I think iodine got a bad reputation when we were talking about the practitioners that were using high dosing and, and then you would throw someone into a thyroid storm or Hashimoto's would actually get worse. People would go more hypo. I think if you can find that nice middle ground, that's, that's where I land with iodine, but I wanted to kind of put you on the spot there and actually ask you about <laughs> it too. So I'm glad we talked about it. And then toxins. Oh my goodness. Like you said, we toxins are everywhere. Of course we talk about them on this podcast too. They just, uh, they just impact the body so much. And we could get into, you know, the liver and how we need the liver to process hormones and methylate hormones and convert T4 to T3. What do you tell your patients about toxins? How far do you have them eliminate them from their lives? So uh, again, it's very difficult to remove toxins completely. That's the first thing I tell all of my patients, mm -hmm. you know, because everybody gets so much stressed out. Oh, what about this? What about that? You know, like, oh, you know, there's so much toxins in my environment. I said, well, there'll be toxins in the environment. We cannot do anything. Doesn't matter if I keep you in a bubble, like, and then, you know, uh, not having exposed to, you still will be toxins. Yes. So what I tell them is that it's the process. Start working with the worst things which are affecting like your life and then go down the route otherwise. Mm -hmm. So most of my folks, what I'm seeing is that a lot of them are being exposed to mold toxins. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm talking with them a lot of times about what they can do to remove mold toxins, how to detect them in their, in, in their environment. And the second is heavy metals. A lot of people actually are high in mercury. Yes. You know, I'm seeing it all the time or high in lead levels. One of the things which I noticed was that a lot of people are taking these fish oil supplements from over the counter and they're high in mercury and they have no idea about it. And I'll tell them, you know, your mercury levels are high. Either it is coming from dental fillings, which, which they don't have anymore. So yeah. I said, okay, well, maybe it's coming from your fish oil supplement. And a lot of people get very astonished that they had no idea they were taking a supplement which had actually caused harm to their thyroid. Right. That's where it's very important to know, like first do no harm. So get good quality supplements, which do test for mercury levels so that you don't get harm for that. So heavy metal, these certain things, water, again, a very important indicator or a toxin exposure, especially for lead. A lot of people, even though, you know, they're using tap water, they, use, they might be using tap filters. That is not enough to remove lead. So I always tell them, you know, get good quality filters, if possible, reverse osmosis filters mm -hmm. so that you can remove all toxins because, you know, you never know what that water is coming for. And then we come at, you know, um, removing toxins in the personal care products, mm -hmm. because we know that females use so many personal care products, again, laden with toxins, lead, you know, mercury, whole bunch of things which are added to them. And then more than 200 toxins or more than 200 products, you know, a female uses each and every day on their every skin. Day. Every right. day. <laughs> yeah. So those are the things, you know, that we work on. So, but that's very difficult to change. You know, like if I talk to females, okay, well, you need to kind of completely change those 200 products the very next day. That is not going to happen. Right. So I tell them it's a process. So start working with a few things. 
So that's why cleaning up, you know, the diet, getting organic, cleaning up, you know, water, cleaning up their air. Those are the things we get started off with. And then working on the personal care products after that is what I generally do. And see, once again, we're in agreement. It, it totally is a process. That's what I tell my patients too. You can, I remember the day that I decided to go through just my, my face wash, body wash, everything that goes on your skin after a hot shower. Because when you think about it, your pores are open. Anything that you put on your body or on your face is going to be absorbed in. And I turned over the really, really expensive medical grade from a plastic surgeon dermatology office line that I have. And I saw paraben, 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 fragrance, paraben. I'm like, crap, now I have to throw this out. And that's hard. When you spent hundreds of dollars on something, it's hard to do. But you have to think about the long-term effect. You have to think about if you're doing all of these things to improve your health and you're doing all of these things to improve your thyroid function, which is the master gland, okay, yeah, you might have to toss out a couple hundred dollars of products, but that's okay because in the long run, you're doing your body a service, but it is a process. I completely agree. Total process. And the mercury fillings, I'm actually amazed at how many people still have them. So I don't know what you tell your patients, but I tell them, listen, don't do it like I did back in 2006 when we knew that the fillings were bad, but I went to my regular doctor. I said, unless they come in in a hazmat suit to take out those fillings, you're not in the right place. So yeah, I'm, I'm amazed. Do you see still a lot of your patients with amalgam fillings? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Again, you know, like I still like some of the young folks, you know, even have those, you know, like those mercury fillings. So I'm very kind of surprised with that. And again, as you said, a lot of people might be listening to things online and they certainly feel that the mercury fillings are bad. They will go to the regular doctor or the regular dentist and then they will get them removed and boom, the next day, actually, they feel even worse. Yep. So I always recommend, well, you need to go to a biologic dentist to figure out the safe way of doing it. And make sure that you're doing things that will optimize your detox before, during, and after those fillings being removed. Oh, because yeah. even though the safest procedures, you know, you still will get some mercury in your system. Yes. So unless you are optimized for the detox, you know, you're definitely going to have those, you know, mercury fillings going into your system. So it's a process. So first of all, finding the right dentist who knows what he or she is doing. And then definitely working with a functional medicine physician who knows how to optimize your detox before, during, and after is also key. A hundred percent. And, you know, sometimes I ask these questions and bring it up just so my, my patients can hear it too, because sometimes, you know, I, and I always say this, it's one thing if I'm sitting there with them and I'm telling them over and over, do this, do this. And then I bring on a guest and I go, did you hear that interview with Dr. Gupta? You, I want you to go listen to it because he said the same thing that I did. <laughs> so I like it when I have somebody to back me up. When you hear things multiple times, then it tends to stick. Okay, moving on to infections. Epstein-Barr virus, a big one. I just had mine tested last year for the first time. It, you know, that's, that's the problem with the business that we're in. We don't test ourselves enough. So I tested mine for the first time and there it was. And I went, oh, look at that. It's, it wasn't active. It was dormant. But I do not remember ever having mono. It just must have been a really bad cold. So how often are you seeing EBV? And what other infections are you seeing with your Hashi patients? So EBV is very common. As you said, almost each and every one of us, you know, would have been exposed to it. You know, we just don't know. or We just don't remember about it. 
Um, the question is not having EBV. The question is that whether it's the reactivation of EBV, which is causing the trouble for Hashimoto's patients. Because if it is laying dormant, we cannot do anything. You know, there is nobody on this earth which can remove EBV from our body. It doesn't matter what supplement or therapy that you take. Mm -hmm. But what we need to do is that we need to make our immune system so strong so that it can keep the EBV dormant. So sometimes, you know, like people are not getting better and I do feel that there is a reactivation of EBV which is happening. So we order those complete panels, not just the monospot test because that is useless. We need to check all the different panels, the IgG, the IgMs, the antigens, the nuclear antibodies and antigens to see whether there is a reactivation or there is an immune dysfunction which is happening where you know their antibody levels are really very high. That gives us an idea, okay, well, the body is fighting against it. So that's one thing sometimes we use that. The other ones which I use to see is that parasites. Gut-related parasites are such a big thing. Again, like... I'm so surprised that so many people have parasites in their gut and they have no idea about it. Their gut, they don't have any gut symptoms. They said, well, my gut feels perfectly fine. I said, well, let's check for the parasites and boom, you know, like, you know, I see parasites, which is again causing that issues. Mm -hmm. And the last one are those chronic infections. Like, you know, we look those Lyme disease, Bartonella, Babesia, yep. all of those infections that we can again can lead to you know, uh, reactivation or activation of Hashimoto's. Mm -hmm. So we check for those also, if again, people are not getting better. Absolutely. And I had Babesia as well. That was another one that randomly got tested. And I was like, look at that. It's, it's some kind of Utah tick and I haven't been in Utah yet. So the, the, and the take home is for myself, I was just looking to look, but I'm optimized. I feel great. I don't have any symptoms. So like you said, Dr. Gupta, there's nothing I'm going to do to rid my body of that. It's just kind of, if you had chicken pox as a kid, you have that virus in your system at any point of time, it could activate and become shingles. Same thing with EBV or any kind of other tick-borne illness. It's there. We don't have to panic about it, but it's it's knowledge for if if at some point in time I do start to feel crappy, I'm going to look at all of those things and see what I need to do and what I need to address because maybe that is the root cause of an autoimmune flare. So I love that you Absolutely. look at that too. Yeah. And the other thing is that a lot of people just order so many different tests and everybody freaks out once they see some of these test results that are abnormal. And I tell all of my clients is that I'm not treating a lab. I'm treating a person. Yes. So if I feel that your clinical symptoms are matching the lab, then it makes sense to treat that particular thing. Random, like, you know, expensive testing of like $5,000, $10,000, a lot of functional medicine providers are relying on that. I said, well, if I'm just relying on the test and I'm not better than a computer because, you know, the computer can also spit out a lot of recommendations based on a lab. Mm -hmm. But I said, I am a clinician. So I'm going to look at your clinical picture and then match it with the labs which are appropriate and then make a plan. Not just random labs or random supplements. A lot of people just end up taking 20, 30 supplements in a day just because they have done so many testing and the practitioner just wants to treat everything which they saw on the test. Yes. And once again, we're so much in alignment. It, it's one of my pet peeves when I see patients come to me with, like you said, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars of tests and then laundry lists or bags of supplements that either another functional practitioner put them on and they don't even know 
why they're on it. I'll say, well, why are you on? I don't know. The doctor told me to do it and put it or they'll buy something because it was in a forum or a blog or Facebook or an ad. Oh my goodness. It drives me crazy. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy you said that because I'm very much in alignment with that. Let's use minimal testing and let's look at you as a person and pair up your symptoms with those labs. Exactly. I just, I love that. So we went through the, your five root causes, the five destroyers of the mitochondria. That was such amazing information. And like I said, I do want to transition into peptides. We talked a little bit off air about the amazing science of peptides. So we're going to kind of shift gears and then we will tie it into hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's and we'll come back to Dr. Gupta's theories and how he treats people and how you can connect with him. So Dr. Gupta, peptides. Ooh, these are so juicy. I truly believe that peptides, which are just sequences of amino acids, I believe that that is going to be, as long as we can keep our FDA's hands out of it long enough or just keep them out entirely, I believe that that's going to be the next wave of treatment, the next wave of medicine. Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, peptides are so amazing. I came to know about them, you know, like three years ago. And then the more I'm looking into them, you know, like this amazing field is expanded and is expanding each and every day. I'm using them for my clients, seeing great results with it. And the good part, which I shared with you before also, is that there is not many side effects to those. These are one of those safest things that I've used in a while. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, if they're safe, you know, they don't have any many side effects and if they can potentially be helpful, why not use them? So exactly. definitely I'm using them in my clients. I'm looking more into it. And there's so many peptides, which has been shown to be beneficial for a lot of Hashimoto's patients for different things. Mm-hmm. There's so many, so many peptides. So I'll just, I'll just give you the floor. What are your favorite ones? And let's expand on them. Sure. So uh, first of all, yes, as you said, peptides are basically amino acid sequences. You know, these are naturally produced by our body. So mm-hmm. these are not alien things. These are not coming externally. It's basically coming from our own body. Now, the good part is that the research, you know, has been utilized to extract them for a body and we can now use them as a medicine, basically completely natural. So that's so at least people are kind of aware of those. So my top four, you will say the first one is thymosin alpha one. So that's the first one that we use. Thymosin alpha-1 is wonderful. You know, it is an anti-inflammatory peptide. You know, it's produced by the thymus gland, which is which we have, you know, all as growing up, which helps to shape up our immunity. Our immune system is shaped up by the thymus gland. But basically, as we age, you know, the thymus gland goes away and we think that your immune system is good shape. But we know that in autoimmune diseases like Hashimoto's, our immune system is completely turned upside down. Our own immune system is fighting our own body and destroying our thyroid. So this thymosin alpha-1 actually reshapes our immune system so that it starts behaving normally again. You know, uh, so it reduces inflammation, which is obviously needed, you know, in Hashimoto's patients. Mm -hmm. Uh, It obviously helps with the regeneration of a lot of uh, immune modulators, which are deficient in thyroid patients, which that is the reason that, you know, we get all these infections, you know, affecting our body. So it strengthens our immune system. Mm -hmm. 
So that's the very first peptide that we use. We can talk about much more details, how we use them and what benefits are there. But let me kind of the, just tell you the four ones. The so second one is BPC. Yes. Uh, 157. Yes. Uh, so that is the second peptide that you know uh, we use a lot of times. The third one is LL37. That's a new peptide that I'm using a lot, which is an anti-infective peptide. It can be used for a lot of mold and other infections. And the fourth category of peptides, uh, you know, I use that often is called CMAX and CLANK. Yes. Those are the peptides which are used for anxiety and ADHD symptoms, depression, and all that stuff, which are very commonly seen, you know, in our thyroid patients or Hashimoto's patients. Absolutely. All right. So let's break those down. Then we'll expand a little bit more with whatever time we have. So TA1, thymosin alpha one, I used when I, so I have to be code wordy here. When I had the big C last August, I, I injected the entire bottle um, day mm-hmm. one and then micro dose after that with a, probably a little bit larger of a dose than what I would normally take for a micro dosing. It's amazing. It is amazing for the immune system to really just kick it into gear. So whether it's a viral infection, now would you use TA1 with someone with, let's say, an active EBV? Yeah. Yeah. So yes, yeah. EBV, so TA1 again is so wonderful. You know, it, uh, with reactivation of EBV, you use it. Even people who have SIRS, which is the chronic inflammatory response syndrome, which happens with people with Lyme disease or Babesia or Bartonella or even with mold. I use it very often, even for people with mast cell disorder, which are really sensitive. So we use it again in those situations. So it's one of those magical peptides is literally you can use it with each and everything that we see. So not only reduces inflammation, it improves your immunity. So you can fight off a lot of viral and other infections. Plus, it, what it does is that it reduces the histamine tolerances also. So people who are sensitive and we cannot even give them any supplement because as moment they put any supplement in their mouth, they start reacting. Yep. So we use some thymosin alpha-1 beforehand and then are using it after for a few weeks. We give them supplements and magically they actually can tolerate the supplements after that. So yes. it's, it's so wonderful to use not only for reducing inflammation, but also improving the immunity. Absolutely. I, I love TA1. I, I really love all the peptides. One thing to keep in mind, like you said earlier, Dr. Gupta, is that it is, it's an amino acid sequence. So when we say that this could be the future of medicine, here's the problem. You can't patent something that is natural. So these will never turn into a drug sold by a pharmaceutical company unless they chemically alter it. And if they chemically alter it, it's no longer a natural peptide anymore. Now it has become their patented XYZ drug. So that's why you don't see these in mainstream medicine. If you're sitting there going like, oh my gosh, if these are so amazing, why hasn't my doctor told me about it? Because they can't make money off of it. These are not patentable. So these naturally occurring peptides, sequences of amino acids are so powerful in the body we're, we're, Dr. Gupta and I are saying basically, yes, we can, we can use this like an adjunct to whatever medical treatment that you are on, possibly not replacing yet, unless you're under the the direction of your, your practitioner, your physician, but they're going to help out a ton. So BPC 157, I have a surgery coming up and maybe by the time people are listening to this, it will already have been done. And I do plan on doing a, a post-surgical podcast on everything that I use, but I have 
BPC-157 for right after surgery, body protective compound. It actually starts to heal tissues, ligaments, joints, skin, bone. Well, no, wait, maybe that's TB-500 that does the bone and BPC doesn't, but BPC heals the gut as well. So what's been your experience with that? Will you use that across the board as well with Hashi patients? Yes, because again, you know, like we know that leaky gut, you know, is a major issue with almost each and every Hashimoto's patients. And BPC is wonderful uh, for helping with the leaky gut um, and then reducing gut inflammation. So certainly, you know, like we use it over there. It is, as you said, is good for like ligamentous injuries, muscular injuries. A lot of people with Hashi do have, you know, chronic pain issues or joint pain problems. So it is useful for that. It's even shown to be beneficial for protection of the liver, especially for fatty liver issues. Uh-huh. Again, a lot of people with Hashimoto's, you know, have fatty liver issues or their liver is not optimized because they have toxins in it. Yep. So again, by improving that liver function, BPC is again, very, very useful. So for all of those things, you know, I use, you know, a com- combination of BPC and TA1 to start off with, with all of my Hashi patients to give all of those all around benefits, you know, not only from the leaky gut, but also healing perspective. Mm-hmm. and then reducing inflammation in the body. So BPC is wonderful. Again, no side effects and then um, can be used very easily. Now you can actually even have a pill of BPC so that again, you don't even have to take a shot for it. Right. And when we're talking about uh, a shot, just so for people to have that knowledge, we're talking about an insulin needle. So it goes subcutaneously. You inject the peptide sub-Q. Some of them are intramuscular, but most of them are sub-Q right into your fat. So you pinch a little bit of skin on your on your abdomen, on your back, on your thigh, and and it's teeny tiny little insulin needle. Now I do have some people that are like, no way, I'm so scared of needles. So in the case of BPC, yes, some companies do have the oral version as well, which is very nice. And CMAX that you talked about as well. I want to do CMAX and I want to kind of back to the LL37 because I haven't heard of that peptide yet. So CMAX is also great for anything neurological. So if you're using it with Hashi patients, like you mentioned the anxiety, depression, the ADD that, you know, I'll have people say, I think I have early Alzheimer's. Well, no, you don't. You have thyroid brain. So uh, what have you seen? With, I, I have a bottle of C-Max downstairs, but I haven't tried it yet. I know they have a nose spray as well. What have you seen with the C-Max? Yeah. So C-Max and C-Lank, you know, are kind of very, like I would say brother and sister peptides. So C-Max is the one which actually helps with ADD, it helps with neuroprotection. So people with have brain fog actually improves their mental capacity and uh, brain functioning a lot. So again, those folks, as you said, you know, who feel that they are early dementia or feel that they have brain fog, or they just feel that they cannot focus anymore. CMAX is wonderful. You know, it can improve their cognition levels, you know, just the mental capacity has improved significantly with that. It does have some improvement in the anxiety and the depression piece also. Um, as kind of along with improving their mental cognition. But the C-Lank is the one actually improves anxiety significantly. Again, a lot of people, because they have been sick for such a long time with Hashimoto's, they're not feeling good. And they're anxious because they want to get better. They're depressed because they are not feeling good. Mm-hmm. So that's where C-Lank is wonderful by kind of improving their anxiety and depression kind of improves their quality of life. The good part about C-Lank and C-Max is that they are not dependent, right? Because a lot of these psych medications, let's say for ADHD that we use, people get dependent on them once they start using yep. them. Yep. Same with anxiety. A lot of the anxiety medicines create dependency. 
And again, CLANG doesn't. So that's a good part about them is that there is no dependency. Use them for a certain amount of time. And then after that, you don't have to use them. And now your body can readjust yourself, you know, and can take care of these things on their own. And the the neurological cognitive peptides are also very neuroprotective. So where something like a benzo that you're taking for anxiety actually has been shown to increase your risk of Alzheimer's, the peptides are decreasing your risk because they are neuroprotective as well. What is this LL37? Did I say that right? I haven't heard of this peptide. I'm fascinated. Yeah. So this is again, one of those new things, you know, uh, which we have been knowing about. So it's this LL37 is a peptide, which is an antimicrobial peptide. Okay. So again, a lot of folks, you know, I was mentioning with Hashimoto's do deal with mold disorders. And again, the underlying issue with mold disorders is that a poor immune system or causing issues like SIRS, which is a chronic inflammatory response syndrome. So now the TA1 is good in kind of reducing inflammation, balancing the immune system. But sometimes, you know, we do have these underlying infections which are brewing in the system, you know, which are not shown full blown in a medical test. You know, like some people have dealing with like, you know, underlying mold hiding in their system, yeast hiding in their system, like sinuses and other places, or some kind of underlying bacteria or parasites, which are not able to see on the testing. Mm-hmm. So this LL37 actually improves, you know, your body's immunity and actually helps you to kill off the bad bacteria, to kill off any kind of viruses that are living in your body, as well as it is antifungal peptide too. So it's those one of those antimicrobial things, which again are naturally made by our body, uh, which LL37 is one of those that we can now use and helps to get rid of all those infections. The good part is that there is no die-off reactions. You know, again, it doesn't destroy your gut microbiome. It doesn't have any side effects to it. So even though it sounds like an antibiotic, but it works in a total different fashion and helps to get rid of all the other infections that might be present in a lot of those Hashimoto's patients in a more natural fashion. Oh, that is fascinating. I'm going to have to look more into that one. That sounds really cool. And there are so many peptides out. I mean, we could go on and on. We could do another show completely just (laughs) on peptides, which we just might. Uh, but no, thank you so much for touching into and, and dipping into that world of peptides because I find them incredibly fascinating. We would keep going with it, but that's just another example of how you really can attack Hashimoto's naturally. Even if you're on, and, and, and again, even if you are on a little bit of thyroid medication, you don't need all of the band-aids, the antidepressants, the anti anxiety and then the sleeping and then the blood pressure and the inflammation and the antibiotic and all of these things that are just band-aid medications that you may or may not have been given. There are other answers. It just takes a little bit of digging, takes a little bit of effort, takes a little bit of investment on your part, but it can be done. So absolutely. And again, you know, you and me know that we are not against medicines. You know, we are regular doctors, you know, we, at some point of time, we all have prescribed medicines. So that's not the question, whether you are on the medicine or not. The question is that what else can you do to optimize your thyroid? What else can you do to find the root cause? Mm -hmm. Why in the first place, you know, you got this disease. Yes. And what you can do right now to not only safeguard your thyroid for now, but also for your future. Because this thyroid is going to get destroyed time and again. And once, you know, like it has been 10, 15, 20 years down the lane, 
the thyroid will be completely destroyed. You will have more and more autoimmune disease because once you have one autoimmune disease, you are going to get a second one and a third one. Yep. And then, you know, you get more and more medications. You are going on these biologic medications. Yeah. It's going to completely yeah. shut down your immune system and nobody's going to stop them forever in your life. And there's going to create a host of another problems. So we don't want to go into the rabbit hole. So they, what you need to do is that right now, you have the empowerment of doing things to improve not only your current life, but also your future life. Absolutely. I completely agree. Well, Dr. Gupta, thank you so much for coming on. And can you tell people who are interested in finding you and finding more of your work, where can they find you? Absolutely. So I have multiple places I share my content. People can follow me on social media, on Instagram. I do have a YouTube channel where I share a lot of uh, video content uh, and my website. So all of them are on hashtag Anshul Gupta MD, which is spelled as A-N-S-H-U-L-G-U-P-T-A-M-D. So that's my YouTube channel as well as AnshulGuptaMD.com is a website. I do have a free thyroid quiz for people who can take that will help them to identify what potential root causes they might have so that at least they are aware of it, then we can start working on it. That's amazing. And we will have all of your links in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. So now that you've heard all about the hormone fixer, I'm going to give you a challenge. If you actually listened to this podcast all the way to the end and you're still listening, you can use the code thyroidfix10, T-H-Y-R-O-I-D-F-I-X-1-0, thyroidfix10 and get 10% off my store. This is only for people that listened all the way to the end. I want to know what you think about my products. Make sure you let me know. Love y'all.